Foreshadow Podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. This season, our theme is Songs of Ascents, Pilgrimage and Worship, exploring the journeys we make in search of wholeness in God. I'm Josh, and with me today is Roger Belbin, a Foreshadow contributor who lives in Northwest England. Today we will hear him read one of his poems that was recently published on Foreshadow and hear about his own experience on pilgrimage. Roger, thank you for joining us and welcome. We were wondering if you could introduce yourself to our listeners just so they have, have an idea of who you are before we discuss your poetry and your pilgrimage. Um, I'm now retired and I live in the Lake District. Um, I retired up here because my late wife formerly came from northwest England and that was where we, she wanted to come back to after we retired from work. Um, and I've long been a member of various churches in the Midlands, the south of England, and now the local parish up here in Cumbria. Thank you, yes. And I am, uh, I am privileged to, to be meeting with you in person. This is actually my first interview um, in person most of them have to happen over Zoom. And so um, it's really not, thank you for your hospitality. Well, speaking of Zoom, um, um, your, your poem that you, uh, that, you re- that you recently published has to do with Zoom, and it's called Worship in COVID Times. So could you read that for us, please? Now we don't need to go out on Sunday. We can stay at home and view the screen. Our morning service is ready to play. We dress as we like as we're not seen. We can, of course, just sit at our ease, but we wonder if we should be standing or sometimes should be down on our knees. Perhaps it's all just too demanding. We miss the chance we used to take to greet our friends as we could then do, to celebrate peace with a handshake, but now we are learning something new. Yet if you started late, don't worry, you can skip a bit if you're in a hurry. Yeah, it's a really, I really like the, the relaxed and playful tone of that poem. Um, a lot of the, the work that we do, um, it being uh, this year on pilgrimage, is really serious and has to do with really weighty matters. And this does too with worship. But the way that you've written it is um, really playful. And I guess the, the, the fact that it rhymes and just the, the... It's a strict sonnet form. It's a sonnet form, yeah. And yeah. so it has a kind of uh, rhythm and rhyme already to it. Um, and so, so I appreciate that. Could you tell us? Could you tell us the inspiration behind this poem? Um, well, shortly after the COVID lockdown, our then priest set up on um, recorded a service and played it online every Sunday morning. So we all joined in, or a lot of us did, by watching it, as I said. So that was the inspiration, you know. Um, and the format, by the way, the advantage of a sonnet is that the, the last two lines are a sort of punchline. Yes. Yes. So again, it, yet if you started late, don't worry. You can skip a bit if you're in a hurry. And so that's kind of just playing with the technology. And because I think a lot of churches were doing this during COVID times, they were live streaming their services. And um, sometimes if it was live, you couldn't skip. Yeah. But many a times it was re- recorded. So you, so you could go back and, and kind of jump around to whenever, whatever you wanted. And that had its own positives and negatives, didn't it? Because you could actually worship with people uh, in a time when we weren't allowed to legally um, worship in person, 
But at the same time, of course, the technology had its limitations. We, we didn't have the same feeling of, as you, as you mentioned in the poem, um, you miss you, you miss the chance you used to take to greet our friends as we could then do to celebrate peace with a handshake. Just that tactile um, uh, interaction of, of a handshake or a wave in person, um, we couldn't do that um, in, over over this. And so so I, I so there's kind of like I kind of sense there's like a mixed feeling about it. Um, just the sadness of the situation we're in, and yet also we're able to we're able to at least worship. Is that right? That's very correct. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't put that better. No. <laughs> and now, of course, we are able to worship again in person, and that's I think that brings a lot more fullness. And I think there's a lot of people grateful for the situation we're in now, able to um, to see people face to face, and um, and even just this conversation here compared to the Zoom conversations, um, there's just something more real about it. Um, interviewing you in person. Yeah, oh, I have to agree with that. And of course, since COVID at church, we've slowly gone back to actually shaking hands again and get getting more contact. Mm. Yes, yes. I guess it takes a bit of time to get back into that. Great. Well, now our theme for this year has been pilgrimage and worship, and this poem is about worship. Although, in a, in a, an interesting way, it's you can also see it being about pilgrimage because um, it makes us think more about when we go to church, when we worship. Usually, when we physically go to the church, it does require a little miniature pilgrimage, whether that's driving to the church or walking. Um, and and in, in COVID times, that was completely gone because we were all, you know, stuck at home. But um, but the theme for this year has been pilgrimage and worship. And so this next question is about... Um, it's about pilgrimage, and so can you describe a pilgrimage that you have been on um, in your life? Well, my wife and I lived in a place called Abbots Langley, which was a few miles from St Albans. Um, in fact, there was an Abbots Langley because that belonged to the Abbots St Albans, and a King's Langley because that belonged to the King, and they were two adjacent villages. And the Diocese of St Albans on Whit Monday has what they call a pilgrimage, when people from all over the diocese walk to the cathedral. If they live more than, say, 10, 12 miles away, they may travel a bit and then walk the rest. But we were our, our parish church was, I think, six or seven miles from the cathedral. Okay. Um, okay, that, that's, so, so you, would have, you would walk with your church six to seven miles to the cathedral for that pilgrimage. Yeah. And can you um, remind us what Whit Monday, Whit, Whit Sunday? Whit Monday. Whit Monday, sorry, Whit Monday is and where that falls in the liturgical calendar? Uh, well, I mean, Whit Monday is the, in England, is the bank holiday following Whit Sunday. So that was why everybody was available to okay. make this pilgrimage. And many of our listeners um, who, who won't be familiar with, um, well, bank holidays are basically uh, like public days off, holidays. public holidays, yeah. Um, and um, and so, what is Whit Sunday? I believe it was it's Trinity Sunday. Is that right? No. Or is no, wait, wait, um, oh, sorry, Pentecost. Yeah. Pentecost. Sorry. Yeah. So Pentecost. Uh, so that would be fifty days after um, Easter, yeah. and so it's also called Whit Sunday. Yeah. So on Whit Monday, the the day after Pentecost, you would do this pilgrimage. Right, okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, th- what happened was people walked in from all over the diocese. And um, we all then took a packed lunch or something, ate that on the slope outside the cathedral, and then there was a service in the early afternoon in the cathedral, and people went into that. 
I mean, St Albans is an interesting place. I mean, St Albans was a, 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 a martyr in the Roman era around the year 200 and then um, he was executed on a hill outside the Roman city of Verulamium and then in Saxon times a, a, a abbey and was built on the site on the hill where the execution is supposed to have taken place mm -hmm. and it, then in Norman times it became a very large cathedral okay. and oh, an abbey and then later it became a cathedral. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thank you. Yes, um, and so I was doing a little bit of reading on, on St. Alban, and he, apparently he was the first martyr in Britain. And so um, a really significant um, figure in the history of the church in England. And so, um, so this, pilgrimage, uh, this pilgrimage takes place every year. And I was also reading that they've now um, extended the pilgrimage. I believe a, a few years ago, 2019, I believe, they extended it, so it's actually, there's a pilgrimage that begins in London at St. Paul's Cathedral to uh, St. Albans Cathedral. So that's about 35 miles, and it, they do that over five days. But it sounds like what you went on, the six, the six to seven miles, I believe that might be the last stretch of, the, of well, what's now the... No, it's from all around. I mean, oh, we, right. we, we went in, where we were was about six or seven miles due south that's of St. Okay. Albans, yeah. and people came from literally all round over mm -hmm. the diocese, so okay. it could be from any direction. Um, I mean, this pilgrimage started, I looked it up, and I, it said it's, it's in its eighth decade, so it started in the late 1940s, and, and we, we were on it between, I think, 1986 and about 1993 or four. Okay. And I can't remember wow. if we went every year, but we certainly did okay. four or five times wow. in those years. Okay. That's just amazing, just imagining all of these people coming from every direction, um, merging upon a center point. Um, so what was that like? Um, just how many people would you be walking with? I mean, would it be hundreds? Would it be thousands or tens? or? Um, we would be walking with perhaps... 20 or so or okay. maybe a few more okay. I can't remember the number but certainly not more than 30 um, and then you would have groups of that size or more from many directions um, I can't really tell you the total obviously it will be many hundreds who got there okay yeah yeah wow and um, and so then you would you would meet and you would have um, a worship service at the church in the afternoon to kind of celebrate and would that be a, a Eucharist um, communion no, or like a no, just I, I can't remember it wasn't just communion yeah. uh, no it was some specially organized service okay. obviously I'd have their cathedral choir and there was a, okay. a service but uh, no I mean as it happens if you look at it can see it, the cathedral is on a, a hill overlooking the valley where the Roman town was of which some ruins are still there okay. and, you, and you were sort of on the slopes leading up between the two okay and that was the picnic area Okay, and um, can you maybe give tell us a, a, a story if you if you can recall anything memorable like a conversation you had with people or if someone broke their I hope not but like broke their ankle or something or, or um, I'm just, I say that because um, when I was um, on the island of Iona we had what we call pilgrimages around the island and and someone sadly twisted their ankle, and um, and so that kind of cut the pilgrimage short. But I hope that didn't happen. But can you? Was there anything that you can recall? Um, just any memorable? Shall I tell you about my other pilgrimage? Okay, if you want to, sure. No, I, I can't remember anything particular about this. And we, we all used to walk the six or seven miles there. It was organised that people who didn't want to walk back, some lift would be organised. Although we we did walk back actually, because sort of 
12, 14 miles in a day is okay. not unreasonable. Yeah. Um, now, I once, we, my wife and I once went on part of the pilgrimage route, which eventually leads to Santiago in Spain, and we did a stretch in France. As a, as a walking holiday. We okay. were not yeah. technically on a pilgrimage, but we met people who were on a pilgrimage okay. going from various places. To, for instance, we met one man who was on a pilgrimage who was started in Holland and was going to Santiago in wow. northwest Spain. Yeah. And we would overlap with people over a few days as you were walking. So we met yes. lots of some people who were really on a long-distance Christian pilgrimage. Yes. We were walking part of the pilgrimage route. I must admit, just as a holiday. <laughs> yes, yes. Interesting, right. And so, was there something you wanted to share about that that trip? No, I mean, we, we started in the middle of, of uh, um, France at a place called Le Puy. Okay. So we did go in the church and you could pray before you started your, your walk. So okay. those, of us, okay. those yes. of us who were Christians would have said a few prayers and then we would set off. And obviously this route visited various villages and towns which did have churches and abbeys as we went along yes yes so i imagine that gives a really spiritual more of a spiritual feeling to the journey if you're stopping on these places to pray yeah, yeah. or to think and yet that's an interesting distinction between going on a holiday and going on, and then going back to the saint albans pilgrimage where there's more of a, a spiritual focus so um, going back to the saint albans pilgrimage what was your motivation for doing that for several years in a row or however however many times you did that uh, well, I think simply we, you know, it was a thing that was done from that church, and we all joined in. And it was, it was obviously it had a religious content because we went there specifically to go and join in the service at the at the cathedral or abbey. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in France, yes. I mean, we started at a church, and actually, it finished at a town um, called Conque, where again there was a an, a an abbey, and again, obviously, if you could go and pray as you finish the, your. Mm. 10 days holiday yeah yeah i think that's a really um insightful comment that you made that uh, this pilgrimage is something you did because it's what your church was doing and being connected with your church you got involved with what they were doing and i think so often when we think about um pilgrimages and even in this um this series of podcasts we've been doing it's been a very individual focus we've asked individuals such as yourself and others to describe their own journeys but um, there's also something communal about pilgrimages, whether that's going to church on a Sunday or whether that's a longer pilgrimage, like several miles or longer, such as the ones you've described, that um, it's something that you're doing with other people. And, um, and in your case, your church, your local church was doing this. And, and I think, um, I just think personally of the season of Lent that we're in as we're recording this. Um, in some ways, it's a very individual thing that we are each um, preparing f to celebrate and reorienting our lives towards the resurrection. Um, but it's also something that everyone is doing together and journeying together. And the services on Sunday, the, the scripture readings and the themes, we're all listening and, and participating in that together. Um, so I think, I think pilgrimages have both the individual and the communal aspects to them. And I think the communal, they, they can feed into each other, that um, we can be encouraged by one another in our individual journeys. Well, um, our next question and our, our last question is about the, the the texts that strengthen and nourish your faith. But before I get to that, um, on on your on your on your pilgrimages to St. Albans or whether that one or to this, uh, Santiago, um, 
um, I imagine you, there were places where you could stop to eat and have a bite um, or you might have packed a sandwich or, or something like that. Um, um, is that is that the case? Well, I said the St Albans one, people took a pup. Pack, a packed lunch of some sort, which they then ate on the, you know, on the, there was a bit, if you know St Albans, there was a large area of grass leading down to the river and the other side is where the Roman ruins are. So you have a big area mm. where you can um, sit and have a packed lunch. Yeah. Um, in fact, just at the bottom by the bridge over a stream, which leads you into the, where the Roman town was, there's what is allegedly one of the oldest public houses in England. So okay. <laughs> some people wow. might possibly have had a drink with their lunch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, as one does when on, when when one is on a long walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in France, well, I mean, obviously, part of it going uh, walking across France and all these old towns. Obviously, um, uh, we were quite interested in in various sort of food we got in a French, in French, you know, French yeah. French inns and yeah, so on. So that we had some quite interesting yeah meals. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and so now thinking about our own faith journeys, um, just as such food can boost our journeys. Are there any um, texts, um, whether books or practices or um, music you listen to or um, works of art that you appreciate? What uh, nourishes and strengthens your own faith journey? Um, I don't know that I have particular texts. Um, there's a book like... Watch out. Go out. Um, I don't know if it's a book you've come across. There's a book called A Year of Grace, which was edit, ed, compiled as an anthology by an English publisher called Victor Gollantz, I think in the late 1940s, and it's an anthology of religious writing from many religions. I mean, a lot, of, lots of bits of the Bible, bits from Jewish writings, bits from many famous authors, um, and, and it's, I've always found that a, a, a very useful book to refer to and obviously it brings you across many writers and authors who you would not go away and read their complete works okay. so you, okay. you get um is there anything from there you'd like to read or i, I noticed that as you were flicking through that i noticed there was some mu sheet music that's that's interesting it looks like there's some songs as oh, well well golance was very also an inveterate um um uh, listen to the classical music and opera goer. He wrote a book about that, that okay. was sort of semi-autobiographical. Um, so at, apart from being um, having texts in here, there are, as a sort of heading of each section, there's often a, a, a bit of music. And I, I don't think it tells you what it is. Um, no. I'm sorry, he, he quotes the music without uh, actually, he gives the musical written down, but... Uh, Okay. Yeah. Don't actually, say against it what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm sure there will be Beethoven in there because that's oh, one of his, you know, wow. his favorite composers. But that, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, my own mu musical. I don't know. Um, my wife and I were always interested in classical music, um, and obviously also um, in uh, you know hear choirs and things in various oratorios and um, so on. I mean, as it happened, because we were living. Um, in commentary at that date, we actually were at the premiere of Britain's War Requiem, which is a fairly famous okay. work of religious music. Hmm. And um, so that was a, a very a great experience. Mm, okay, wow. Um, 
that mu- yeah that must have been a, a powerful experience to to be there at the the opening yeah um but if i could say a bit more um it's it's not directly relevant to what this but of course it was when the cathedral was consecrated after it had been rebuilt a new cathedral had been built after the war and there was a, we were in a parish and there was an awful lot of preparation work and everybody did things leading up to the consecration of the cathedral i mean there was a big procession a few days before and we processed through Coventry, and obviously then there was um we we managed to get invited to a service a day or two after it was consecrated so okay and this was um 1962 1962 okay so that was the consecration of the the cathedral um and how that was that uh, that's not related to the church that you were part of when you were going to the, no no we that was a different that, was, that a, was a different part of the country okay but um but but in, in a similar way you're, you're there to mark this um special occasion um just as you were at the opening of that concert of that that, that um, piece and um and marking the the Pentecost uh, the Pentecost feast as well, um, um, so can you can you say more what what's what struck you about that um, opening of the cathedral? Well, I mean it, it was well it was obviously ma- massive national news because it was the first cathedral that had been built in England since the sec- you know since there was one in the nineteen thirties, mm-hmm. but there are only sort of three in the, three or four in the twentieth century. <laughs> Right. So um, yeah, and obviously it was also rebuilt next to the ruins of the one that was bombed in the Second right. World War. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean there were all sorts of things going on around the diocese, as I said, leading up to it. You know, um, mm. and uh, we we were we um, I don't know if you've heard there was the cross of nails which the then dean erected in the ruins of the old cathedral, mm-hmm. and we all had a miniature one as a lapel mm-hmm. badge. Okay. Which sadly I lost at some point, so okay. I don't have it anymore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But what a powerful symbol of um, of kind of rebuilding out of destruction, creating a new a new thing, um, or restoring something that had been destroyed. Well, Roger, thank you very much for your time and sharing um, some of some just small glimpses into your experiences in uh, on pilgrimage and um, the things that have nourished and have um, and strengthened your faith. And with that, if you enjoyed my conversation with Roger, let us know by leaving a review, emailing us at foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com, or connecting on various social media platforms. You can also visit foreshadowmagazine.com to read new writings and listen to other conversations. There you can sign up for a free weekly newsletter sharing new work every week. Thanks for listening. That's the forecast for today.